I'm going to read from Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 32. Many signs and wonders were being done among among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them onto cots and mats, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up, he and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out, and said, Go and stand in the temple and tell all the people about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and sent orders to the jail to have them brought. But when the servants got there, they did not find them in the jail, so they returned and reported. We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing in front of the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what could have come of this. Someone came and reported to them, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the commander went with the servants and brought them in without force, because they were afraid the people might stone them. After they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin, and the high priest asked, Didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right, hand as a ruler and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of the sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Thank you, brother. You can hold on to that. I just need the Bible. Hey, look at my tall brother here. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for reading again. That was Acts, Acts chapter 5, and it was, uh, push it in. I need to turn it. There we go, like that. Acts chapter 5, he's reading verse 12 through through 32, which we will be in uh, today. So keep your Bibles open. We are going through this series in Acts that we are calling Spirit-Filled. Spirit-Filled, living, leading, uh, loving, a Spirit-Filled life. Spirit, not in the natural sense, not in the human sense, the supernatural sense of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Why are we doing this? Why do we want to be spirit-filled, or why should we want to be spirit-filled, rather? 
Uh, I would say this. I can, I can give you many answers. I'm trying to give you an answer each Sunday. But for today, uh, I want you and me uh, and everybody to have the best life possible. Which now, that could be, uh, that, that, that is often used in uh, secular world, secular being non-Christian, in, uh, in leadership gurus, Also, for Christians as well, best life now, best life possible. But one of the reasons that I do what I do, one of the reasons I became a Christian, believe as a Christian, and now am a pastor is because I do believe this Christian life, this life that we call Christian or Christianity, is the best possible life for this earthly life here on earth. So there's a spiritual element to it that we talk about a lot. For me, there's also a practical element. Like, I want to have the best life possible with my earthly life. There's actually a selfish uh, reason for that. I think that living as the Bible teaches, uh, that living as Jesus teaches, uh, as receiving Christ, becoming a Christian, living as a Christian in community, is uh, the best possible life that we can have on this earthly life. I think it's far better than, than most, of the, um, most of the lives or the life uh, that a lot of people lead. Most of, of life is, is all about self-interest. You agree? Amen or not? I mean, it's so much self-interest. And, and jostling for position and everything. And, and the Christian life is supposed to be different. Receiving Christ is supposed to begin to make us different. There's still sin in us. We're still growing. I know all that. And nobody's perfect. And it's a, it's a step-by-step process. And the Lord knows the timing. And the Lord knows the trajectory of the process. But we are called to be different. And I actually do believe, I was studying on it this, this week. You know, you go through this passage. I don't know if you caught this, what Derek uh, read. But uh, I love verse 20. The angel... An angel of the Lord said, go stand in the temple and tell people all about this life. I just think that's, a, that's an interesting, that's a, that's a fascinating way of putting it. I mean, often I'll say, go tell about Jesus. Go tell what he's done. But he said, go tell people about this life. And then Peter, I want to think that Peter kind of caught on to that and, and used that later. Verse 29, he said, we must obey God rather than people. Big difference there, okay, between a non-Christian, selfish life. And look, I'm the most selfish, maybe more than any of y'all, self-interest versus a giving life, a Christ-centered life. And then verse 32, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So I would also call a Christian life Uh, The best life possible would actually be an obedient life, uh, which is contrary to what our hearts and our minds will uh, say. I got a text, uh, kind of an encouraging word, a devotion, so to speak, from a pastor uh, that uh, is also a mentor to me this week. And and part of it was don't trust your heart. Part of it was don't trust your heart. Don't trust your mind. Which is totally opposite from what a lot of the world will tell us. Trust your heart, okay? Do whatever your heart tells you to do. Okay, that is not biblical, 
okay? It may be American, and God bless America, I love a country. It may be Western civilization. It may be uh, a good philosophy uh, as you're growing up. It, I mean, I lived that for a while. It's not biblical. In fact, biblical is the opposite. Biblical, Jeremiah, uh, forget the verse off the top of my head, but uh, says the heart is uh, by nature innately wicked. Don't trust the heart. So the best life is an obedient life, a life where God puts some, uh, puts some parameters around us, and God says, I want you to have the best life possible, but to do that, you have to obey me. And in our, I mean, go back to Genesis 3. What did they do? They didn't obey God. They wanted to go their own way. They said, we know better than God. That's really what sin is. It's us saying, hey, you're telling me what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. That's really the bottom line. And I don't like being told what to do. Who likes to be told what to do? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> you do, TK? You like it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So I really, I really do believe, I mean, again, one of the reasons I do what I do, preaching, teaching, pastoring, is I want to help people have, I mean, the best life possible. And I do believe it is an obedient life. So what does that look like? Uh, I think all of Acts 5, and Derek read about half of it, but Acts 5 really shows us an obedient life lived out. And at first, interestingly, at the beginning of Acts 5, he did not read this uh, really because of time, but it also shows us what an obedient life is, is not like, okay? And I do want to I want to highlight this. I'll paraphrase it. So he didn't read this, but if, uh, if you flip back verse 1 through, through 11, there are these two people, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira. They, uh, how would I describe these folks? I would say, reading this over and over again, they, they were fairly, they liked to, in my opinion, like to show off, Okay. Because they had some means financially, uh, and then they got more means financially uh, because they had property, and they sold it. But they kept some of it for themselves. Uh, they wanted to show the church and the people how holy they were. That's just my paraphrase, my opinion. How good they were, maybe how, how much of a follower of Jesus they were, how uh, great of a church leader they could be. But they didn't tell them... They kept half of it. And they wanted them to believe, hey, you had uh, gifts and you had means and you sold it and now you've given it all to the church and yet they, they kept part of it. Uh, what happens to Ananias and Sapphira? Well, they drop dead. They are struck dead. Uh, does that happen today uh, to people who hold back half? Uh, sometimes, sometimes we might wish it did, okay? Uh, <laughs> And I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about the person who'd be like, well, I'm just, I'm just able to give half or go halfway. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about some folks, and, and it's common throughout history, some folks like to be known as this you know, great uh, leader for Christ, but yet they hide all these things. They're, still, they're not totally transparent. They're not totally authentic. And, and really, they're wanting to keep a lot for themselves while at the same time, appearing one way, and they're not, okay? They're disingenuous. So I'm not talking about the people who are like, man, I'm doing all I can. I'm, you know, I'm falling back in sin. 
I mean, halfway is just the best I can do. I'm not talking about those folks. I'm talking about the motives of the heart, okay? The motives of the heart, like I want to appear good to the Lord, and I want to be, appear good to the church, and yet I got all this stockpile back here that like I'm playing with, partying with, you know, doing my thing, okay? That's not an obedient life. And I do think this, even if the Lord doesn't strike them down, the Lord knows, uh, and it will be revealed. I mean, it, it may be uh, fully revealed, you know, in the last days, uh, but the Bible does, does say that, that at, at a point, uh, this, um, the motives of the heart uh, will be seen uh, by all. Uh, the disingenuousness of people will be seen and known. So that is uh, an example of what it's not like, okay? Uh, what it is, though, an obedient life, then we see the passage that we read. Uh, first, it was just great, vibrant community. And uh, something that I am big on personally, something that we want to be big on here, uh, we both see, and I think the Lord has blessed this church in, in that sense. And obviously I'm biased, but if you just witness a lot of the, uh, the greeting time and the active small groups uh, that we have, uh, some very real community, uh, some people that not just have one another's back, uh, but love and support and walk with and cry with. And I want that more and more uh, for y'all, for y'all here, for those not here, to really be connected. Um, verse 12, I mean, it talks about people. It doesn't talk about individuals, that they were uh, together. They were all together. And they were together in a public place. Solomon's colonnade, it said. Now, there, there are always folks that, who don't want to go along. That's just that's human nature. We're still in a broken world. You know, the whole world is not Christianized to this day. The church is not one big, loving family of unity. There's still a lot of brokenness, okay? And it even highlights that here. It says, you know, there's some who, who didn't want to join them. But the people still spoke well of them. And believers were added, so it grew, and there was this healing. Now, now I don't know about you, but I grew up re- reading, I did grow up reading the Bible, going to Sunday school class, hearing Bible stories. And I've always loved how they... They place people in Peter's shadow, okay? And my selfishness, just to show you, I was, when I was a kid, I was always like, man, I want to I be like that. I want people to be placed in my shadow, okay? Like that powerful. I mean, the shadow heals. And I love Luke, too, that he just, he adds that detail. I mean, is that not amazing? I mean, Peter, so filled with the Spirit, uh, had, had been broken to his core by denying Jesus and then done this 180 and God was using him in all humility, but in leadership too, that, uh, that people were you know, placing the sick in his shadow. Uh, so there was healing, which we do want to have here. Uh, and we believe in physical supernatural healing, but also spiritual and emotional healing. Uh, I've been honored to pastor many folks. And y'all, whether you realize it or not, uh, many of y'all have pastored and encouraged other folks uh, to move past some Uh, some emotional wounds, and to uh, gain in emotional healing too. And that is what the church is for, to bring about healing within a community. And so we see that here, and and it's very, very good. Uh, One of my biggest passions is that, and you heard me pray it, if you listen to the prayer, church not to be perfunctory or rote, but real and vibrant. And we see this here, and it's a part of that, the best possible life. Now, there is also persecution in this life. Uh, in this best life, in this Christian life, 
uh, there will be persecution. And one of the main reasons is because there's jealousy. And, and Luke totally spells that out here. He actually uses the word, verse 17, the Sadducees, who were the religious leaders and the elite of the day, were very jealous. Uh, and they were like, you know, man, what's going on? These, these folks are getting more traction. This is, this is real. People are going to them. And they were, they were jealous. And so what did they do? Uh, they, they persecuted them, uh, arrested them, threw them in prison uh, again. And so in our life, if we're like, man, I'm walking with Christ, I want to walk with Christ, I want to grow with Christ, uh, we're going to have persecution. Um, I'm sorry you have to hear that. I don't want to say that. Like, you know, I want to be like total best life now. But, you know, the gospel, the gospel in the Bible, it's not a health and wealth gospel. Uh, Are there wealthy Christians? Uh, Yes, I believe it is a gift that God gives, and some people have it. I don't wish I did to literally make money. I mean, just to know numbers and finances and investments, and that's a gift. Uh, It actually says it in Deuteronomy that God gives that gift. Um, Health is a gift. Uh, Some of us uh, have good health, (laughs) Been battling chest uh, cold and sinuses and allergies for feels like months. Okay, can't sleep, but still blessed with good health. Uh, others don't always have that gift. Why? There's a mystery to it. I know as a Christian, and if you are a Christian, God uses everything. I believe with with all that I am that there are no accidents in Christianity. But at the same time, there's all Christians are not healthy. All Christians are not wealthy. And when we follow Christ, we will be persecuted, and there is jealousy. Why is there jealousy? Why is there jealousy? One big reason is because of sin, this little thing. Another uh, big reason, he's defeated, but this guy called Satan, uh, and he stirs up people's emotions and minds to create jealousy. But then if we are living uh, in joy... Okay, and I really want to key in on that word, joy, true joy. I mean, who here like wants, I don't know what you think about that word, but like who wants to live a joy-filled life? Like constant, thank you, Neil. I love that hand shield. But like who? It should be everybody. Like, you want joy. Yes. Like not just going to church, I mean going to work, I got joy. Going to uh, be around family. I get joy. Going to be around family I don't want to be around, I get joy. You know, going to do things that God is like, man, I like to, I want joy. The Christian life should be an example to the world of joy amidst um, not the best health, amidst uh, not the greatest wealth, that constantly, continually, in the roller coaster of life, in the highs and the lows, There is this supernatural joy because one, we know the end and we know where we will be. We know also the cross, what has happened in the past and what Christ has done for us. And we can, we can like let go. I mean, there is this letting go like, man, it's not all about us and it doesn't have to be all about us. And we can really like enjoy uh, God's blessing. I mean, there's so many blessings I mean, offered to us, I mean, just this morning, just the community, uh, and yes, the rain, 
and being here and, and the music and God's word. I'm not talking about my voice or the message. I'm talking about the word of God and just being together. And, and you go, I mean, everybody get a good feed, get a good lunch afterwards. I mean, we can, there's so many blessings that we do have. And those are just simple, uh, small, but yet can be big. But it should be about joy. So when others see joy-filled Christians, they're jealous. It's, it's just, I've seen this, and it is what it is. Until the Lord returns, I mean, there's going to be sin. Satan's going to be at work. There's going to be jealousy. So they're persecuted. But I love the last, uh, the last couple lines we read, verse 29 through 32, and I want to highlight these specifically verse by verse, because, like, what is the joy-filled life? What is the best life? What is the obedient life? Well, they're persecuted, and then there's pressure. When there's this persecution and this jealousy, uh, then uh, often we can cave, okay? And we say, man, I I don't need to follow Jesus. Uh, This Christian life is is, is not really looked on as, like, the real deal as as joy. It's, It's looked upon as maybe... Uh, maybe fake or maybe backwards or maybe, uh, you know, not the best life. So I need to really follow the world and follow people. And Peter here takes his stand. And I love this. He says, we must obey God rather than people. Can we say that? Who, who will join me in saying that uh, with me together, okay? Let's do one, two, three. We must obey God rather than people. That is, if if you... I really believe this. If you focused on that verse, if you meditated on that verse, if you memorized that verse, if you believe in a Christian, if you live that verse, it will definitely change your life. And I cannot stand here and say I've always obeyed God because I've obeyed people. But there are other ways of parsing it or phrasing it too. Some say we fear God and don't fear people. Those are tied together. To obey God rather than obeying people. So then he really breaks down the gospel. We talk about the gospel a lot. Uh, We preach the gospel from here a lot. We teach the gospel, whether it is in small groups or uh, Wednesday night or with our youth. We talk about the gospel. And he really, really, Peter, breaks down the gospel line by line, verse by verse. So I want to highlight this. Why do you obey God rather than people? What is this life all about? Uh, this is for us as if you're an adult, if you're, if you're married, and maybe you're doing great, or maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're here envious and jealous that you're, like, not somewhere spring break. Uh, maybe you're not married, and you're thinking, like, you know, what does God have for me in life? Maybe you're a youth, or you're in high school, and you're like, you know, can you just, you know, I'm just ready to get on with spring break. Can you just shut up, okay? And, like, I'm in church, you know, come on. Now, this is it. This is what it's all about. Verse 30, the God of our ancestors ties all the way back to Genesis. This is, this is one, one book. It's not parsed out. It's not broken up. One book together. You see how it's bound together? You will see that? It's all connected. It's all connected. I mean, I'm not crazy about Leviticus, but, but it's in there for a reason and a purpose. Okay? Job. I actually love Job. You know, you want to get fired up about your life? Read Job, okay? You want to get fired up about your church? Read Corinthians, okay? 
God of our ancestors raised up Jesus. We're really going to be hitting that in a couple of weeks. Jesus was raised up bodily, not spiritually, not just to the soul. It was a bodily resurrection. The blood in his body stopped and ceased, and then it started kicking again, okay? Sorry to totally just, you know, demolish medical science, but it, the blood started kicking again, okay? A literal raising of the body of Jesus. Whom you murdered, he was killed by people who were jealous, by people who betrayed him. And his followers denied him because at the time they wanted to obey people or they feared people rather than God. Peter, prime case. By hanging him on a tree on the cross. But God has exalted this man. He didn't even just raise him up bodily but exalted him to the heavens, to the right hand, by the side of God the Father, as ruler. That word ruler, that doesn't mean of like the heavens, that means of the universe. So like, I don't know how you think of Jesus, see Jesus, but like he, he rules everything. He's, he's Lord and Savior, so he saves us, but yet he is also our, our king. To give repentance to Israel, and forgiveness of sin. Are, are you burdened uh, by sin? Or do you feel guilty? Do you feel lost? Do you feel like you just can't ever measure up? Turn and trust to Jesus. What is baptism about? Turning and trusting to Jesus. What is baptism about? What is salvation about? It is saying, it's not all about me. It's about what he's done. I can kind of let go. I can kind of give up and just trust that he's working in me, that he will work in me, that he has a plan for me, that he has hope for me, that he has the best life possible for me, that there is no accidents in Christianity. I believe that's all true. Okay? I don't believe it will make you healthy or wealthy. It might, okay? You're like, please me. Yes, see me, God, on that one. It might not. Okay? I don't know. I don't know. Definitely doesn't across the board. And then he, he ends this, uh, this statement. For witnesses of these things, so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those whom obey him. Holy Spirit, this supernatural entity, this God himself, always with you, always in you, always beside you. Now, I read a devotion this morning about uh, how much we can fear death. I had a great aunt. I had a great aunt die yesterday, about seven at night. Uh, she was, I mean, she she'd lived a full life, but I mean, it was it was fast, and uh, it got an infection, and it, it was septus. I mean, and she died, and you know, thinking about and the the sad thing, or the tough thing, is her daughter is forty. Three, so my cousin, and she has MS and she's bedridden. So her mom was the primary caregiver for my cousin. And, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to her now. Why that happen? You know, why the Lord take? I mean, I know they're they're both believers, they're Christian. Why the Lord take the mom and now the daughter? You can't get out of bed. Struggle with MS for years and. I don't know. So there are these things like, you know, there's this mystery. 
I do know uh, they're both believers, and, and I, knew, I know that my cousin, I mean, that Jesus is beside her, okay, and, and caring for her. And so I was reading this devotion about fearing death, and look, I mean, I fear death. I, mean, I can't say I'm 100%, no fear of death, just come on, bring it, buddy, you know. <laughs> can't say that. Come on, take loved ones, man. I'm good, okay? I mean, no. Amen. But I know, man, Jesus is beside me. I know the Spirit's in me. I know if you're a Christian, I take you at your word. I can't see your heart, but then I believe the Spirit's in you. I believe Jesus is beside you, and he's going to walk through you, and I trust in that. And so there is, this, there is this trust and obey. Remember the old hymn? We're not singing it today, TK, but anyway, it'd be a good one. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing it to you. But I do believe that is the best life amidst all the questions and, like, man, uncertainties and, yes, some fear. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. And the last thing I would share, and it's the end of this chapter, uh, Acts 5. You know, we didn't read it, so I'm going to paraphrase it again. But, again, the best life, the, the obedient life, the, the Christian life, uh, I say it like this. It always shows up. I mean, it's always revealed. Uh, people who are um, growing in Christ, dedicated to Christ, and it may be, man, I'm at 10%, now I'm at 50%, maybe I'm at 70%. Uh, in the end, God always reveals himself. You always see his hand. You always, it is always clear. And this is what this guy, Gamaliel, says. I'm not going to read it, but if you read the end of Acts 5, you know the question, hey, should we persecute him? Should we throw him in jail? Gamaliel said, look, man, guys, if, just let them go. If it's God, we're going to see it, okay? And you don't want to be on the opposing side, and, and God is your opposition, okay? And he says, you may find yourself fighting God. So I, that is part of the trust and obey. I mean, sometimes we see people, and we're like, man, are they, uh, you know, are, are they legit? Are their motives legit? You know, why are they doing this? I mean, are they these Ananias and Sapphira showing up and giving? And like, are they, are they keeping half? Or God will make it clear. You know, God will show up, and if God's in it, He will. Um, he'll make Himself known. And so that's part of the other thing. You know, just trust and obey. That I mean, God is God. Jesus is ruler. He's not just your personal savior. He is. He can be, but He's ruler of all. He's going to make it. He is going to. Everything is going to work out. Everything is going to work out. Loved ones together. My cousin's going to be taken care of. In this earthly life, I don't fully know that just yet. Okay? I know Christians will surround them, a church community, all that. We'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, God will. Uh, God's going to do his thing. And so that's what Gamaliel is saying. God's going to do his thing. So we will. We'll see, and we can trust and obey. So I want to close our time this morning. You know, I'd love for you to ask yourself, how much, you know, where am I in, that, uh, in the trust and obey uh, chart? How much am I really trusting? How much am I obeying? Uh, we have, over the last couple of weeks, if, you, if you've been here, you know this. If you have not, uh, you see the cross, and you see the white and the red uh, little pieces of paper. We've been giving things to the Lord uh, over this Lenten season. And we're going to continue it today as we are every Sunday in Lent. 
And so today, you can give him anything. You can give him a prayer. You can say, uh, you can have nothing. You don't have to do this. It's, it's totally op- optional. We're going to come forward and take communion as a church body. We're going to lay the cross down. We have a hammer and nails here. And as you, you can also give your offering in the plates, also the cards about the Easter lilies. But if there's something you want to give to God, and, and here's what I would I always want to give you something specific that you can think about. What is that best life that you dream of? Would you, would you give it to him? Okay. Like what in your mind is like, this is, this is, what, this is my desire. Because see, those can be, um, those are good things, but they can become ultimate things and they can be an idol and really hold us back from trusting and obeying. So what's that dream of that best life? Give it to him. And he may give it to you. I don't, I don't know, but just, and I'm just giving it to you, God. I'm giving... This, this vision, this dream, this idea of, of my best life. Maybe it's a career, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a house, maybe it's a white picket, maybe it's a car, a boat, sailboat, maybe it's a place. What's that dream? You've got this dream of this is what I want for my life. Give it to him. Give it to him. And just say, God, I'm trusting and obeying you, and I'm trusting in that you have this best life for me, and he will give that to you, okay? There's a great line, I don't know who, say it, who said it, but about prayers like, uh, God would, how does it go, how does it go? I'm going to mess it up. God would, uh, God would give you uh, everything that you asked for if you knew everything that he did. So if you know everything that God did, then you would ask for, uh, you would ask for the right things and he, he would work it out. So, can you give him your, your dreams? Can you give him your visions? Can you give him that best life? That's part of that step to, and maybe you say, man, I'm a Christian, but you haven't gone all the way. Or maybe you're not a Christian, and that's that first step about trusting and obeying and believing that he has this life for you because that is, those are the exact words that the angel said. Go tell about this life, that it is good. What would I say about this life in you know, 2018, 21st century culture. I would say about this life, this is the best life possible for our earthly life, period. That life is in Jesus Christ. That life is spirit-filled. I want everybody to have it. That's why I do what I do. So let's pray for it. Heavenly Father, help us to see that this life that is in your word is the best life. May we receive it. May we share it. May we proclaim it. Uh, that it begins and never ends in Jesus. And you give us of your spirit, the Bible tells us that, and you will never leave us. Salvation will not be taken away. You can't lose it. We can, we can fall and we can stumble and we can be in a pit, but you're always there. So I pray for those who are, who are struggling and, and maybe questioning where you are. Uh, I pray for those who are questioning that some of the mysteries of life. who are like, why did that have to happen? Why was he or she taken away? Why? And that we would trust and obey more and more. Um, I want to say fully, but I know that we're still sinners. So help us to trust and obey in you more and more and just give you, give you all of our, our dreams, our visions, our, our good things that become ultimate things and just give them to you and, and turn and trust in Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.